what's up gamers welcome to battle mallet podcast episode 55 zach newcomb at warhammer championship world's world championship of warhammer wcw sunday 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 that title is way too long it'll be shorter on the website uh for anyone that isn't familiar uh the battle mallet podcast is the journey of three busy gamers playing games that they love, balancing life with those games, and making their way to the Nova Open Convention every year. Uh, My name is Jared Johnson, and tonight I am joined by Jason Tabled Noob Murray. Hello, and uh, happy Thanksgiving week, because that's when we're recording all of this. Yeah, that's right. So so this is going to be, well, I guess we're going to call it a mini-sode. It's probably going to be one of the shortest episodes that we ever record. Um, So we, we got a hold of Zach Newcomb. Um, many of you may be familiar with him through various forms of online play or played with him locally. Um, so we, we got a chance to sit down with him and talk to him about his experience at the world championship of Warhammer, I guess is what they were calling it. The Warhammer champs, world champs. I don't know. I've seen a million different things on a million different social (laughs) media platforms. So anyway, it's the first ever of these, um, so and definitely the first one for for Warhammer Underworld. So we were excited to get the chance to talk to him. Um, but I guess before we dive into that, anything to bring up, Jason? Uh, n- not a whole lot. Sorry, it's been a little radio silence specifically with with me. Work is insanely busy. Plus, we're encroaching on the holidays here. So um, really haven't had a lot of time. Real excited to to get more into Death Gorge. We've had a couple of meetups. Believe it or not, I missed the last month of meetups like last week was the first time I was able to go. And that uh, for our listeners never happens. I am pretty tried and true, at least on Monday nights to go. Um, so yeah, a lot of disruptions, but um, ha- have had a couple of games and, you know, in a future episode, we can definitely get more in depth into what the current state of the meta is and what we've experienced here locally, uh, but still going strong uh, and then I've been a little distracted because my nine-year-old has actually been playing games with me, and it's a whole different game, a game style that we don't talk about here, but that is Loracana. So that has taken up some free time, but it's really not free time because it's time with my children. So That's right. It's more important than than real free time. Yes, and you've traveled a lot lately too. So Oh my gosh, I have been to the West Coast three times in the past three months. Uh, so yeah, so... Yeah, work has been crazy. Um, yeah, life has been crazy. So I guess you now know what it feels like to not get to go play on Monday nights since I never do. So Trace is not with us tonight, but I do want to give him a shout out for um, for holding down the fort, for for keeping things moving at our, our every other week Monday meetups here locally in the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, and from what I can tell, like there are four or five regular underworlds players that I have not even yet met in person now in our local community. And that's awesome. Like I'm super excited. I'm not excited because I haven't gotten to play, but like, I'm excited that the game is legitimately growing in our community. Um, So when trace gets back and and we record like our fuller death gorge review, current gaming state episode, um, you know, we can dig more into what that's been like, but uh, I I definitely Wanted to give Trace a shout out while he's not here. He's suffering at the beach on this Thanksgiving week. What a poor, poor soul. Poor, poor oh, soul. So yeah. suffering. Yeah. So uh, I guess, yeah, we'll keep it short and tight. Um, 
So with that, we'll take a break. And when we come back, uh, Zach Newcomb will join us to talk about the WCW. And we're and back. We're back. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. You're the best. <laughs> um, I thought, you know, I thought we rehearsed this, but apparently not because we don't rehearse anything. So um, uh, we have uh, Zach Newcomb. Uh, also known as Zach Newcomb on Discord. Uh, for anyone that has played uh, virtually with him, uh, he had the opportunity to go to the Warhammer Championships in Atlanta. He was representing the United States of America in the World Championship uh, event. He had the opportunity to play Warhammer Underworlds. Otherwise, I don't know why we would have him on our show. Um but we just wanted to bring him on. Um, we have played with him virtually online a lot, as I'm sure many of our listeners have. Uh, anybody that is frequently uh, playing online in the various virtual tournaments has probably had the opportunity to play against him. Uh, but we wanted to get him on uh, to get his experience at the event um, and also give uh, all of our listeners the opportunity to get to know him. So welcome, Zach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a pleasure. So as we do for all of our guests, um, we're going to ask you a series of questions uh, that's going to dig into some history. Uh, this is not intended as a therapy session, but if it turns into one, that's great. Um, so we'll start with our first question, kind of a get to know you session here before we get into the event itself. Uh, and that first question is, what is your earliest or your favorite memory of board games, so not war games, uh, but board games from your childhood. So I remember uh, starting to play chess with my father for uh, a, a pretty early on, probably around like eight years old or so. And I remember losing every single game for like two years. And then I finally beat him I, at, at like age 10. And it, that, that, that was a uh, fond memory, and I, I still play chess. I'm actually teaching my son how to play chess now. Nice. Yeah, good for your dad. There's, there's no easy wins in life. So yeah, well, nope. It's re- really nice that he let you win when you, you hit 10. But Yeah. yeah. Uh, he couldn't beat me by 12. <laughs> nice. Oh, sure, sure. You know, I play <laughs> that same game with my kids. Oh, you beat me. Oh, I'm just that, That's <laughs> no, awesome, yeah. man. That's cool. Yeah, that's uh, I feel like there's probably a, a, a pretty big percentage of of the gaming community that got their start in chess. Um, so our second question is, how did you get into tabletop miniatures games? So avid Warhammer Underworlds player now, but at some point, uh, probably not Underworlds when you got started. So what was that? What was that like? So it, it was actually by happenstance. Uh, I worked with uh, one of my uh, good friends, Matt, and uh, he introduced me to uh, my local gaming group. Uh, we have a, a group of uh, dads that uh, will actually get together uh, about once a month to just play regular old board games. Uh, and uh, one of them introduced me to Underworlds. Uh, he... Uh, had the shade spire box and we played a couple of games and I really liked it. So I started picking up underworlds and, uh, I've been playing underworlds ever since. Uh, and, uh, unfortunately he doesn't play anymore, but I continue to play it because I enjoy it. And that's, that's how I got started. Nice. So, did so you, you're, did oh, you fracture ahead. into any other like 
tabletop games after Underworlds then? Like, did you pick up any? No, I, I haven't picked up any of the larger systems because I, I think my wife would probably have words for me if I bought <laughs> any other, uh, like, competitive games that I needed to collect things for. Uh, partially because I don't have that much room to store a big army of uh, sev- several hundred miniatures for something like 40k or AOS, because uh, I have a fairly sizable like regular board game collection over here as well. Okay. That's awesome. That, cool. That's really really cool. Because I guess I'm a little envious because you know when I got into games, it just snowballs and. And uh, it's like Underworlds could be your gateway to this whole new life of plastic nonstop instead of every just couple months. But you, you hold strong. You hold strong. Yeah, it's admirable. I, I do have a growing collection of D&D miniatures as well oh, as uh, some other uh, other stuff. So it, it hasn't stopped growing. It just hasn't mushroomed as much <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> i like it all right so underworlds is your miniature game of choice um what's your favorite warband um as always uh i would be remiss to say uh uh if i didn't say chosen axis i think there would be a riot somewhere nah, i yeah. i'm still a uh chosen axis fan although i'm unfortunately they're not very competitive ever anymore but that that was my favorite uh, warband uh, for the longest time. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with the uh, um, let's see here, uh, Sereni's Razors uh, and uh, the Crimson Court here lately, um, which is the warband that I actually took to the uh, uh, World Championships of Warhammer event. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wonder. I mean, I've heard through the grapevine, Void Curse Thralls with Chosen Axes. I mean, Breakneck Slaughter, is there, or is it just not enough? Breakneck Slaughter, um, as much as I want that to work, because they were originally supposed to be an aggro warband, uh, the fact that your opponent can just, I'm going to push you off of this objective after your activation kind of kills the Chosen Axis a bit, ah. especially if you draw those cards first round. Uh, because you get one of those momentum tokens on you there, you're not standing on that objective anymore unless you have a push card in your hand as well. Yeah. So, But Void Curse Thralls, that one works. I have actually tried that one. Um, it can actually hold a candle to a couple of the uh, more competitive uh, war bands right now, if if things go correctly for you. Nice. But you didn't you didn't want to risk it at Worlds. You were like, uh, I like him, but not not that much. Not that much. Uh, yeah, you'd have been a hero. I I would have been a legend and a hero, but I kind of wanted to win at least one match. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, cool. Well, is, is it really just their inspire that gets in the way? Is that? Is that what it is? It, in my opinion, yes, because uh, once they inspire, they are just, they hit like trucks. They're actually pretty accurate. Uh, their movement's not terrible. And frankly, their their faction ploys and upgrades are actually pretty good. Uh, their, their, their objective deck is a bit rough uh, as well because you, you only have two surges and they both involve killing people. Uh, and uh, there's 
pretty much only one good in-phase card, and that's Unstoppable Advance. Uh, and you don't want that in the first round. Because move two, you're not getting in enemy territory. Sorry. <laughs> move yeah. two. Yeah, those, old, those old war bands, like, you know, we all, they all hold a near and dear place in our heart, but their mechanics, were, are, they just don't live up to the current mechanics that war bands are designed with. Yeah, power creep is a thing. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. Well, we don't we don't have access to like the same cards anymore that we that we no. did when those warbands were around. So like, there's yep. no just stacking all of the move upgrades and move ploys into one deck and yeeting your dwarves across the no man's land into enemy territory and wrecking or like face, an inspiration but, strikes as yeah. I or inspiration strikes. My... Yeah, as I referenced my uh, vampire deck that has all of the move shenanigans. Yeah, but they're move four, so, it, you know. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. Yeah, Inspiration well, Strikes and Blaze of Glory. Like, right. where are those cards when we need them? <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, no kidding. They're in Relic. There you go. They are in Relic. Yeah, yeah they are. Just... You could build one heck of a crazy deck. With oh, I can't now. even fathom. Um, <laughs> all right, well, before we get too far down this rabbit hole, we do want to hear about the world championships of warhammer i kept getting thrown off on the social media by the hashtag because it was hashtag wcw and i'm like wait is it 1997 and hulk hogan and macho man randy savage are like in vogue again no it's just they co-opted that acronym jason is I'm shaking his head at me fr- right now like when i you am think frankly WCW- surprised that no one made that reference at the event I didn't yeah. hear that until now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's because they're all young. They don't yeah. know. But WCW, you go with Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. Like, they are not WCW when I think WCW. That's WWF. Okay. Like, well, they, you, they like left WWF. They did. All right. All right. They're not. Okay. Okay. They're not iconic. It's fine. Not iconic. Like Sting. I could, you know. Sting is. Okay. That's who I should have referenced. My bad. There you go. Thanks. All right. As penance for that, Jason, I will cede the <laughs> microphone to you to walk us through. So, yeah. Uh, so talk to so, Zach and. So the championship, he you get the you get the nod, you get to go. So we'll just start with, how did you go selecting Crimson Court? Like, what drew you to that warband to take to the world championship? So, uh, Crimson Court, uh, they have a fairly solid uh, stats. Uh, block for them so they're they're all more move four they're all four wounds and they all have about the same defense characteristic and because i took void curse thralls with that deck um i was able to actually make anias uh the same defense stat as everyone else right off the bat uh which is primarily who i would void curse first um and then I was also anticipating a lot more of that ping meta that everyone has seen here lately. Uh, that I was actually surprised that there wasn't more people playing that ping meta uh, there. And Crimson Court has a lot of heal cards and access to heal cards uh, in their deck. So I was thinking, well, I can hit pretty hard. I can move pretty fast, uh, so if somebody tries to hide from me, I can hopefully chase them down. Uh, and if I take a ping or two on the way in, 
I actually have the chance to heal it off before they have a chance to uh, take the fighter out of action. Um, and uh, Crimson Court also has a fair bit of fairly passive scoring cards. Uh, so things like Death's Domain, Recovered Poise, Grave Lords can all be scored uh, fairly uh, consistently without having to do all that much into your opponent. Uh, and they also have a lot of cards that just score, like Spirited Attempt. Um, and when you uh, start mixing in the Void Curse Thrall cards, you have a pretty consistently scoring deck uh, that you can actually score frequently. Um, I, my average low score throughout the uh, uh, throughout the event was nine glory. Uh, I only failed to score nine glory once, and that was against uh, Amon, uh, the gentleman that won. So um, it it was a very consistent scoring deck for me, and uh, I actually only had a week to prepare it. So it was um, it, it was also a <laughs> uh, uh, surprise. You're going to worlds. So I was like, okay. Well, I guess I needed a deck now, uh, and this was one that I had been wanting to try, and I just painted up the Crimson Court. So um, that that's kind of what uh, motivated me to uh, uh, take them was all of that. Yeah, and you met, you mentioned the the void void cursed thralls giving you this the block right. So Anias going to one block. What else drew you to build with that deck in Nemesis? So. Um, the vampire, uh, the Crimson Court has a ton of uh, movement cards, or, or not a ton of movement cards, but several uh, movement cards in their deck already that make them faster and be able to uh, do extra moves. So I was uh, running Lashed into Motion, which is make three move actions with a friendly Void Cursed Fighter. If I drew forced movements and quicksilver advance in my first hand with lashed movements, I could literally just score a glory. Um, and then the other thing that drew me to them was they can actually dish out some, dish out some damage. They have damage upgrades. Um, and those damage upgrades actually work with Void Cursed Assault. Uh, so uh, one of my favorite moments in the uh, tournament was... Uh, I only had one fighter left. It was the start of the third round. My opponent still had all of his fighters left. I won initiative. I made a charge. I took out Goral um, and then was able to use uh, Duval's fiendish lure uh, to draw in Lupin and then was able to kill him immediately with Void Cursed Assault um, uh, for two damage. Uh, so all of these damage and movement uh upgrades and ploys uh really helped tie everything together because after i charged i wasn't done um i could still move around the board and be a threat to people even though i had all of my fighters with charge tokens on them that's awesome and the fact that you used lure uh, fiendish lure the spell reaction that i think most people don't even know exists on the back of Duval's card is yep. fantastic and uh, Gorath's uh, Gorath spell action as well. As long as you don't void course Gorath, I mean, there's your ping right there. It's a range four ping one as long as you have a wounded fighter within four hexes of you. 
So you can literally heal one of your guys and do a damage to your enemy uh, with that uh, with, with that action. So it was like all of these things kind of pulled together to make this deck. And it was moderately successful. I had a really good first day. Kind of fell apart well, after then, though. <laughs> so, yeah. So that leads me, before we get into, like, actually, like, the, the final results in, in matches, but... So you get the call, you're going to Worlds as you arrive, because it's set up differently than any other tournament that I've kind of witnessed it really was. for, for um, Underworld. So can you kind of walk me through the format? Like, you guys played over, what, three days? Um, the, the event was actually uh, spread out over four days. Um, and I can't help but uh, the, the top eight format, I still don't understand that one. Uh, but I can walk you through the uh, the pool play. <laughs> so uh, the 18 players that we had were split up into two pools. Uh, we had a pool of 10 players and a pool of eight players. Um, and uh, everybody was randomly matched up and uh, into our matches. They were trying actively not to pair up people from the same country. Uh, so if there was another option of somebody to pair to, they were pairing with, uh, uh, not, not in country. So, um, there was, there was some shifting around in the pool play with some of the pairings so that, uh, countrymen weren't playing each other. Uh, but we did a five round, uh, uh, five round event basically for the first two days, uh, in that pool play. Uh, and uh, we were actually playing three games every match. Uh, it wasn't your. It was still a best of three, but we were playing all three games so that the tiebreakers had a chance to actually matter. Because if you knock somebody out 2-0, you're only going to be you're go- only going to have two games worth of glory. Whereas if you do play all three games, you're going to have a equal number of games with an equal number of results to be able to pair the tiebreakers. So then they basically took the top four players from each pool and that became the top eight. Okay. And then they played over the next two days. And then they played, they played a double elimination top eight over the next two days. Okay. And yeah. there was some weirdness with how that happened. Uh, like it, it was like if you immediately won two, you went into this bracket, and if you were still one and one, you went into this bracket. And then there was uh, there there was this thing called a deaths match, uh, and um, that uh, the the undefeated player went all the way over to the final. And then the winner of the deaths match ended up playing in the final. Yeah. So it was, it was, I didn't yeah. understand how all the, all of that it was just, happening, yeah. but it, it was a double elimination. Convoluted. To to the yeah. 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 So the, I, yeah. So round one, you'll have four winners and four losers and mm-hmm. then so you split into a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket after that yep and then the winner of the, the ultimate result is that the winner of the winner's bracket plays the winner of the loser's bracket with I as you so. said some some shenanigans in the middle to make sure that everybody that everybody gets double eliminated 
yeah. till yep. you get to the top. Cool. It's interesting. I really found it interesting that you had to play all three games. Like I thought that was a nice twist. And you know, when the, the information was first kind of starting to leak out, it was like, why do they need like 17 hours to play one game? And then once we found <laughs> out this format, um, you, we, you know, we definitely yeah. had enough time to play our entire match, all three games, and then like take a nap for like an hour and then go eat a meal for two hours and then come back. And we were still half an hour early. So <laughs> I, I, and I, and I wonder if that was to time the underworld's rounds with the 40 K and AOS rounds. It definitely was. Uh, Cause yeah. they had, um, they, they did have a representative from uh, best coast pairing uh, there uh, to coordinate all of the different game systems and everything into best coast pairing uh, so that they could send out pairings all at the same time for all of the different game systems uh, that they had running. So that was definitely uh, part of it. So just walk me through the actual um, uh, event hall or hotel that it was all in like did it feel like a gw sponsored event did you feel special when you walked into it oh it it i actually did like uh you came down the escalator uh you had to walk through a uh, uh education convention to be able to get to the uh the warhammer thing because they keep us in the basement <laughs> now uh, we're talking <laughs> education <laughs> convention sign me exactly. up exactly everybody's in like nice suits and everything. And then you have a whole bunch of war gamers wearing uh, strange jerseys and, uh, and uh, cosplay outfits uh, uh, going down the escalator through the other convention. Uh, and you are immediately met with like a 12 foot tall space Marine, like right at the bottom of the escalator. And they had a very well stocked uh, um, store that was out front where you could, uh, of course, buy event t-shirts and they had a very well-stocked, uh, collection of like miscellaneous, uh, miniatures that may have been hard to find. I don't know, uh, too much about 40 K <laughs> and AOS, uh, miniatures, but they had a whole bunch of the, uh, smaller like hero miniatures that were all stacked up everywhere. Um, and then, so you walk past that and you go into the actual, uh, hall that all of the games were in. There was a whole section of, uh, streaming tables where they had, uh, all of the kill team 40 K and AOS, uh, streamers set up. They did not have a streamer table for underworlds though. We were next very year. sad. Yeah. Next, next year. year. No, come next on, year. Jared. Get on it. So we uh, once and uh, there was a big table with uh, several flat screens that had the uh, the ha that had the streamer um, tables uh, displayed on them. So you could actually watch some of the top games uh, on the big screens uh, while they were happening without doing the, the awkward standing over somebody's shoulder uh, thing to be able to watch the game. Uh, and uh, there was. Um, there was a large section for 40k, large section for AOS and Kill Team, and Underworlds was uh, like packed over in the corner a little bit because we don't take uh, we we don't take up near as much table space as the big systems. So we we had our own little section, but uh, it was nice tablecloths and uh, numbered tables, and the Kill Team uh, tables had all of the terrain on them. 
and th there were quite a few tables in the room. Uh, the, it was a fairly large event uh, with, I forget what the total number of countries was, but um, there, uh, when they were reading off each country so that you could come up and get your challenge coin and everything, um, it was a good 25, 30 minute long presentation uh, to read through all of the countries that were actually there. And it, it was a lot. And it's really cool. It, there was a lots, lots of people from everywhere. I think the number was only 30% of the event was actually Americans. That's cool. So if, awesome. if, if it was that big, like that big of an event, that many people, uh, that many people traveling in, do you know, was there any, like any after hours, like events or scheduled things that they had for people to socialize and mingle with, or was it just kind of like go back to the room and get some sleep? Uh, they they did have they basically had a full blown like social excuse me social schedule after games uh, would end uh, uh, each day we would play till about seven o'clock or so uh -huh. um, and then after that they had uh, the painting competition and then they had a like uh, uh, just a get together meet everybody event uh uh before the reveals uh because they did have some reveal events that were at like midnight um uh so that everybody around the world could watch the big reveals but uh that like it was a full-blown event it wasn't just everybody hiding in their uh hotel rooms they had things going on uh throughout the evening um i myself uh rode the marta train back home for a hot meal and actually some sleep Right, <laughs> um, because uh, I had to get out of bed at about five thirty to ride the Marta train into into town, so that uh, I could be on time. Yeah. So, understandable. I get it. I I just think it's really cool because it, with it being their sponsored event, and you know all of these people that are going, you know, really being champions or top tier players of the game that they're there representing. It's really cool to see that there was some. Uh, mingling events so to better the community and better interaction uh, i love to hear that and i'm very very envious that i didn't get to go and and partake in in some of those so we kind of got the logistics big big events well put on by uh by gw um you spoke about you know your first day was was rather good for you like any particular highlights in those games that you played that day that you want to talk about with the listeners or things that you learned because you only played this list like three times before the event. So uh, my first match uh, made me chuckle because there were two Crimson Court players at the entire event. And my first match was a mirror match. Was oh, nice. cursed as well? No, he was not. Uh, okay. yeah, we right. both chose uh, two different rivals decks. Uh, he cool, was though. playing uh, Tooth and Claw. Uh, so uh, the, the first game, I just got trounced. Like he just rolled right over me, and um, second uh, second game I won barely. I uh, and third game again won barely, uh, and ended up winning the match. And uh, it that trend lasted the rest of the day, where I just got rolled over my first game of the uh, of the match, and then made a comeback for the second two. So, uh, the, um, that was kind of what I learned about my deck was into these hard aggro decks because tooth and I, uh, my first two matches were tooth and claw and breakneck speed. Uh, so 
into those really heavy aggro matchups, I need to deploy deep. I need to do the counter punch. I need to let them use the resources to come to me so that I can uh, have a little bit of time to score those deaths domain and make those counter charges that I can really take advantage of my positioning rather than having to react to what they're doing to me. So that was what I learned in those first two matches, and I'm glad that I learned them. Uh, and then on day two, I ended up facing aggro again. Um, <laughs> it went better, but uh, counter aggro doesn't work very well if you don't roll any hits. So <laughs> the dice failed you. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I had two so sets of dice. And both of them were garbage. What, um, you mentioned, uh, Breakneck Slaughter. What was the warband that was running that one? Mad Mob. Mad Mob. So oh, okay. It was a very, very tough match. Um, the, uh, pilot of this, uh, particular deck is another, uh, online player that I've played many times, uh, uh, both on webcam games and on other avenues. And, uh, I, he was one of the people that saw me, saw my face at the beginning of the event and goes, of course it's you. <laughs> and then sits down across the, ta uh, across the table for me. I'm happy to see you, man, but I'm not happy to see you sitting over there. <laughs> so, um, I, he, I, it worked really well. Mad Mob has a lot of wounds. Uh, and it was it was a very um, like the first game he just could not miss so I my guys just evaporated at that point but he fell into a little bit of a 50 50 uh, of being able to hit me in the latter two games and I was able to capitalize on some of those misses a little bit um, it was it, it was a very tough match because Mad Mob has such a good objective pool. Uh, and uh, Breakneck Slaughter actually really helps build that reliable objective pool for a pure aggro business into into somebody. I'm actually surprised that he didn't do better because that deck was very good. Okay, awesome. So the so you mentioned day two. So day one, we we're like two and one and two and one. So that's good. Day two. Um, more aggro. So you actually got narrow spirit packed. Did they actually? Yep, I got narrow okay. spirit packed. Uh, the um, the my third opponent for the event was uh, uh, Damien from Canada, and um, at the end of the first game, uh, I believe I had one of his fighters dead. I uh, and that fighter did not die until the third activation of round three. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, and as a testament to my poor, my poor deck, I still scored 12 glory in that match. I, uh, without killing a single fighter until round three. Um, it was, uh, he, he had built his deck very defensively. Um, he did a fantastic job of taking advantage of Lupin. 
uh, and his defensive rerolls. Uh, he kept looping where I couldn't get at him very well, and he also kept looping in a cover hex, so he was just nearly impossible to actually hit. Um, and that enabled him to use his fighters uh, to the best of their ability to hit me. And I was having trouble hitting him, and, well, he won because he was able to score the majority of his deck uh, just by doing what Gnarl Spirit Pack do. Um, it Great great match. I had fun in that one because uh, it ended up being very close in a couple of the games within, like, three or four points of, uh, uh, of each other. Um, and, and it's always nice to have a, uh, a cool opponent like that that's uh, like, wow, your deck is really confusing to play against. And I was like, here's two. <laughs> I can't quite figure out what uh, what Gnarl Spirit Pack's trying to do with this one. So I, I was awesome. uh, I was happy to see Gnarl Spirit Pack not just being played how they used to be played, uh, just all out run in. Uh, there, there's definitely some uh, um, finesse with some of the more recent uh, uh, iterations of that deck. Yeah, that, that sounds good. I mean, so three games, but fairly aggro in those first three games. You know, you mentioned kind of in the, your opening segment here about you were preparing for the ping meta. Like, why, why do you think you didn't see the ping meta? Like, is it is it as scary as everyone says? And then we go to Worlds and there's like no ping meta other than a couple warbands. I was very surprised by by the lack of warbands uh i that there was still domiton there was still ephilim but i was surprised that there were not near as many of those warbands as i thought there were going to be there were only two domiton players and i believe three or i think three ephilim players out of 18 people uh so I, I was surprised that there wasn't more. I was also surprised that not near as many people took Force of Frost as I thought that they were going to. I, I believe, let's see here. Uh, I, think I think only three of the, I think only three of those players of those war bands actually took Force of Frost. I thought there were, I, don't, it, I don't know. I haven't gone it was through either three yet. or four. It was either three or four of them took Force of Frost, but I don't think anybody else did, um, which was actually surprising. Um, which brings me to my fourth opponent, uh, uh, a uh, fine gentleman from uh, France, uh, and uh, his name was Cyril, and he was actually playing Force of Frost with Ephilim. Okay. Uh, and that was actually a really fun match uh, because uh, the he, he can pilot good. Uh, and he ended up uh, facing uh, Amon in the final uh, at, after the fact. And uh, we had some close games that came down to a couple missed attacks here and there. Um, I did take one game off of him on tiebreakers. But it, it was uh, that that warband is can fall apart if you kill too many changers early. But it's I. It, it's still a very good, reliable deck because their scoring is very difficult to stop unless you can take Ephilim out of business early in the game. And why didn't you do that? <laughs> Spawn Mall? <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, he, uh, Cyril did an excellent job of uh, screening Ephilim with his changers. Um, he did a very, very good job at that. Uh, it was very difficult to uh, jump his lines to be able to get back there. Uh, and uh, he was using uh, a lot of the Force of Frost upgrades to, a, uh, to benefit. He wasn't just throwing them on Ephilim. He was throwing the minus one damage uh, on some of the smaller guys uh, to keep the smaller guys alive so that I couldn't get to his his big player back there casting spells. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, a decent strategy there is to throw the minus one damage from Force of Frost and then the, the heal upgrade, right? Like after right. this fighter takes the damage, heal this fighter. So you're effectively getting minus two damage as long as they aren't dealing the killing blow exactly if you want to be ridiculous and throw that on kindle finger you're getting effectively <laughs> minus three damage which is yeah and then even if it does go through you can resurrect them right hopefully right. you get the card bring them back yeah yeah yep. so yeah, definitely a tough I'm, tough I'm gonna, uh, pairing i'm gonna do a brief interlude here so we we have all of the top eight decks from champs in the nemesis library already um and of the top eight two were running force of frost first and second place so amon's world championship winning dumatan storm coven with force of frost and then cyril's second place ephilim's pandemonium with force of frost and then i mean we won't go through all of it here but you can go to the nemesis library and see the rest of the split but yeah only two force of frost in the top eight for what that's worth and some of those uh, other decks were very interesting decks. Uh, uh, my personal favorite was uh, G's uh, 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 Razors. He used uh, the Void Cursed, uh, Void Cursed Thralls, and I was watching him expertly maneuver uh, uh, Sereni into a hammer tied position using the refashioned reactions. and refashioned uh priorities so uh somebody would try to move out of their lane and he would just use one of those to like move right back so that he could uh keep hammer tightening people it i i didn't think of that but he used it very expertly uh in his matches i was very entertained watching him uh pull pull off several upsets with uh uh, by doing that It, it was really fun so I, yeah, I mean that I I didn't even honestly I didn't even think about that even after I saw the deck yeah that that is a cool interaction and a good way to make sure you get one damage across the board, um that's really cool. So that my question still still remains and I mean this could be open to either either one of you is like after like we look at the worlds or you're in worlds playing is is ping what we should be scared about or are there tools to get around it? Personally speaking, uh, the ping is scary, um, but I don't think it's near at, uh, as much of the boogeyman as uh, some would have the, that opinion. Um, and I, I think the passive scoring potential of the Force of Frost deck is far scarier than the actual ping damage. Uh, because uh, 
those decks are able to score very passively and that draws you in because you have to interact with them to be able to stop that passive scoring. Uh, and then the ping is just salt in the wound at, at that point because they're going to ping you going into you and then they're going to be able to finish you off very easily once they get to you. So okay. unless you can do that uh, quick to, uh, coup d'etat to their uh, leader that is packing the ice counters, um, it's it's not going to end well for that fighter that you send into the mix. And that's probably why we see a number of Void Curse Thralls, right? Because you get extra movement. And yep. uh, to be honest, I was very surprised with Warband Selection and just how aggro it was. And it was all fast aggro. So Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, if people are anticipating something passive, fast aggro is the only way to really counter that. Very true. So. So into, yeah. into day two, like... A tough tough matchup is, it, is that where it all ends you you're you're done after two days um i that is where my competitive journey ended mm-hmm. uh i after uh after the top eight was removed uh we actually had two more days of play uh that uh we were able to take part in uh that was earning points for our country so one of the really neat things with this uh, uh, World uh, Championships of Warhammer event is all of the game systems were taking uh, uh, their scores from everyone. Every single player that was in that hall uh, was earning points for their country. Uh, and there were rules. Uh, I forget what they are off the top of my head, but uh, each country could choose a number of uh, people from their country to uh, provide points uh, for their country. Uh, and uh, those uh, those were all compiled. So there was actually a leaderboard for how each country was doing uh, based on what games were uh, going around. And Underworlds was actually very important in that because... Um, I'm not sure who came up with the uh, World Championships of Warhammer uh, country rules, but uh, after about f- four matches of Underworlds, uh, everyone had maxed out points uh, oh, wow. <laughs> for the world stuff because uh, if you scored more than, uh, I believe we did the math, of six glory per, uh, per game, uh, you were getting max points. Interesting. Uh, by the end, uh, by the end of the event, so um, that that helped the countries that had Underworlds players uh, are quite a bit uh, in the uh, the country rankings. But uh, so we actually did get to play all four days, uh, and uh, so everybody in the losers bracket got to play a minimum of eight matches. That's um, awesome. So it, it it was a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. So did this this whole experience, getting to go to Worlds, does it um, fuel the fire for this coming year to maybe go to a different event and qualify for it again? I would love to. If my yeah. wife will allow me <laughs> to leave my children for an entire weekend, I would love to. Um, 
I, I am also uh, looking to see if we can't get uh, a, I, I, I organize my local uh, events and I've been trying to uh, make introductions uh, to see if we can't get one of these golden tickets in the Southeast. Um, so I, I've been talking to some folks, so I, I would definitely keep, uh, uh, keep your ear to the ground for any uh, announcements uh, uh, in the coming future for events in the Southeast for a golden ticket for 2024, because they have said that they're doing it again. That's awesome. So I just got to go buy a Wonka bar. That's right. <laughs> so speaking about like speaking of other events, like in you hosting, isn't there one coming up in a couple of weeks here? I, there is one. I'm not sure if it's actually going to happen uh, because uh, it was the ticket prices hurt the uh, turnout, I believe, okay. uh, with it. Okay. But uh, uh, Warzone uh, Atlanta is hosting a big tournament in Atlanta. Um, and right now there's not much interest from the Underworlds community because $70 is a lot for a Underworlds ticket, unfortunately. Uh, for me, it's just the time of the year. I got, yeah, I got big too. work. I got big work stuff the next, next weekend. So, well, yeah, and, and everybody's saving up for Christmas and yeah. it's literally, uh, let's see here, uh, a week after Thanksgiving, everybody's, uh, tired from traveling and everything. And it's probably not the best time of year to be holding a big event like that. Yeah, it's, it's tough. But yep. all right. So if you had to do it all over again, let's say like you go, you win another event, you make it to Worlds. Is Crimson Court Void Curse Thralls what you take, or do you go a different way? I should have brought Soul Raid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there are probably a lot of people that are wondering why, like, because there wasn't any Soul Raid. Was there, there was no Soul Raid, and uh, they're, they're so good. good as long as you can manage that Shoal token. Yeah, um, I, I have a lot of experience with Soul Raid, and uh, I, I was, I was literally doing this number with both of. Uh, it, I'm holding my hands up in front of my face in case you can't see on radio. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had uh, my tried and true Soul Raid uh, deck that I've been playing for the past year, uh, and I haven't completed painting my Soul Raid. And I would have had to like speed paint for a week trying to get Soul Raid ready. Uh, and I was like, I have this Void Curse Thralls Vampire deck that actually works really, really well. I and I was I I was worried about the ping meta. Uh, this was before the uh, the Warband lists leaked, uh, um, and I, I was worried about the ping meta because it kind of tears up Soul Raid with all those three wound fighters. So. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I should have taken Soul Raid because I feel like they would have had a lot more play into some of the more passive builds. Um, and I also feel like they have a much easier time handling uh, Gnarl Spirit Pack. Um, yeah. Because, because of some of the more control aspect cards like Cloud of Midnight and uh, Spinefin Toxin and other cards like that i feel like they have a little easier time into some of the more heavy aggro and they also have that double uh the the move then charge thing to be able to make it to 
uh, the uh, the more passive folks that are hiding in the back. So it, in hindsight, should have taken Soul Raid, but uh, it, what would it, your what would your pairing been? Delvers, toxins. I think it probably would have been toxins at this point because the passive folks are going to be covering up those uh, objective tokens faster than I can get a fish on it. Yeah. Um, had uh, I had some of those passive builds not come out beforehand, I probably would have done Delvers because um, that Delvers deck that I uh, that I know I played into you once, Jason, uh, that you absolutely rocked um, was it. It does not do well if my opponent is actually trying to hold objectives in their own territory. Um, if they're trying to move towards me, it works a lot better because that fish is just a, uh, a Dilver point uh, or exploration point uh, generating machine. Yeah. Well, interesting. Well, maybe next time you can paint up your your little uh, fishman and crab and and go out there and and win it all. Um. So what's next? Like, did anything at the event pique your interest that you're looking forward to playing, or maybe you just haven't, you know, got into Death Gorge yet? Like, what what warband or deck do you really want to dive into next? So I I really really like uh, Serenis Razors. Uh, it they interest me, and uh, I feel like they're also in that happy point where I don't think anybody has cracked the code, and they're they seem to be a little bit more difficult to play. So from a tactical challenge uh, standpoint, uh, I that's that's one that I'm interested in. Uh, and uh, the, the models are also really cool looking. I mean, the squid, the squid is awesome. Uh, and uh, I also really like the jellyfish on uh, uh, Serini's model, but uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Uh, but that that uh, that warband has a lot of really interesting tools, uh, and it could also work with a couple of different uh, of the rivals decks. Uh, we we all know G's Void Curse Thralls deck uh, did really well. Um, I'm toying with uh, one with Fearsome Fortress actually, uh, which seems kind of weird uh, with them, but uh, there's so much stagger built into Fearsome Fortress that I've feel like there's something there i could see that yeah most definitely yeah. well good i mean that i think that that pretty much the wraps up the experience it sounds like it was a f- fantastic four days of underworlds with some some great event hosts and you know i think my last question would be just because you you have been such an online presence for this game i mean you and i we've got like we've talked three four years now um, and yes, I've met you on camera, but for a lot of people there, that's that's been your only interaction in the online community. And most of these people are very active online. So that had to be really cool to meet a lot of the, the people you've been playing with really all the way through COVID. Oh, it, it, I would probably say three quarters of the folks that were at this event uh, have some sort of online presence. Um, I, I was able to meet, uh, I, almost the entire Canadian team, uh, is active on, uh, on online. 
Uh, yeah. So I was able to meet uh, uh, David, Yuri, Derek, uh, uh, all, all of these guys uh, that traveled down for this event because uh, the Canadians kind of raided our tickets a little bit. They did. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, it was really cool to see the guys from uh, uh, from across the pond as well because uh, there was uh, two – uh, two guys from the Netherlands uh, that made the trip, uh, and uh, Val with his Mad Mob uh, was one of them, and then uh, Jan surprised everybody with uh, with uh, the Gore Chosen uh, uh, that made the top eight, uh, and there there were a handful of other folks uh, as well uh, that I also. Like I played games with them for years through COVID, and it, it was really nice to like introduce myself in person and uh th there was also that uh, uh that that moment right when everybody started getting there and they're like who's this guy oh it's the the guy that they brought in to balance the numbers well what's his name oh no i recognize this name <laughs> this just got a lot harder <laughs> so i ended up That's not awesome. doing too well but it, it, it was a lot of fun meeting everybody and uh being able to shake hands in person uh, instead of uh, just uh, saying hello uh, across the microphone. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Again, I'm very obvious. I'm glad that you were able to take part in that. Um, you know, thanks to GW for putting it on. Thanks for the the Underworlds community coming together and making those travel plans. I know that some of them had golden tickets, but it's still like taking the time away to play a game that we all love and the game that we've been playing for for a very long time here. So to get that many top tier competitive players together to really duke it out over a weekend sounds like it was just just the best best time i look forward to qualifying this year with my one chance at nova um <laughs> so i mean with that jared anything else no i mean yeah i think you you covered it all um so yeah i think uh we'll take a break here and we'll come back with the outro And we're back, and that will wrap up this, the 55th episode of the Battle Mallet Podcast. Um, at the start of the outro, we just want to, again, say congratulations to Amon from Path to Glory uh, for winning the whole thing, for being the heavyweight champion of the world, to throw things back to the WCW reference that we made with, uh, yeah. with Zach. Um, but, yeah, you know... Congratulations, Amon. Uh, definitely... A lot of wins on his belt now, a lot of those notches. So uh, glad he yeah. could take it home and, and and add the first worlds to that to that uh, pedigree. So yeah. So yeah. even though Canada came down and bombed all of our events and took all of our golden tickets, USA USA uh, ended up <laughs> winning it. So thanks for repping us there, Amon. Um, and a hard fought battle. Like if you look at the field, if you look at the roster, like I am sure that I have lost to probably. 70% of those people in various forms of online play. So yes, same, same here. I think, I think I probably would have went Oh, for the century against that. Oh yeah. I, yeah. So. I, I would have been happy to, to win one round, I think. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So just again, um, congrats, Amon, kudos to you. I'm sure that we're going to hear uh, about your experience and, um, and Mark's experience, uh, on the path to glory. So you guys keep an eye out for that. Um, and then, 
in terms of shout outs, the other thing that we do want to announce with regards to Zach Newcomb um, is that he has been in conversations with Frontline Gaming about the Cherokee Open, which is February 23rd through 25th. Uh, he has been talking with them about um, taking on running a Warhammer Underworlds tournament there. Um, the issue that they have is that they need a certain amount of interest uh, before they'll put tickets on the roster. Um, so if that is something that is of interest to, to you, so the Cherokee Open, it's in Cherokee, North Carolina. Um, and according to their website, um, this retreat style event perfectly blends community and competition into an epic weekend of fun. When you are not rolling dice, you and your buddies can relax and enjoy this beautiful resort, which has everything from bowling alleys, bars, and a fireside patio to a large casino and plenty of places to fill your belly. Um, so it sounds like it is not your typical gaming convention where there's going to be a ton of vendors and stuff. It really is going to be like play your games and then enjoy the scenery, whether that's yes. the casino, that's the mountains, that's you know food, whatever the case is. Yeah, it's Cherokee, so it's a mountain retreat. It's, um, it's a beautiful venue, a beautiful area. So if you can make that, get in touch with Zach. Let him know you're interested so we can try to make this a full-fledged event. Yep. Um, he is really easy to find on Discord. His handle is Zach Newcomb. So uh, if you are a member of our Discord, if you're not, you should join. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, or a member of any of the other various uh, Underworlds discords um, you should be able to find him there so um with that uh we are two ever hopefuls for golden tickets <laughs> eyes on the prize for uh wcw 2025 2024 my one shot that will be no by this coming year if yeah, i that's can right. make that that's right if, if i don't to it yeah right um well if you to it then no uh, anyway uh this is jared signing out i'm jason table numeri get the hell out of here peace Battle Mallet Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. Well, yeah, I mean, when we were talking about WCW, I went with Sting. I should have went with Ric Flair. Oh, but yeah, but see, this is where it gets confusing is because like through the 90s, like people were weaving in and out because I remember watching Ric Flair when he was in WWF. Anyway, this is not a professional wrestling (laughs) podcast, so we don't have to go down on that. But I will throw out who I thought about after the fact and that was diamond dallas page and i'm not oh. sure he ever crossed over from wcw that's right yeah we're diamond both cutter up the, both throwing up the diamond symbol with our hands right now so there's a throwback I, th- I think he may be the only one that didn't cross from the wcw to the wwf anyway somebody yeah. fact check me on that uh <laughs> on this underworlds podcast that probably no one knows who the heck we're talking about uh so for the battle mallet podcast we are to aspiring heavyweight champions of the world.
Listen, I'm the heavyweight. All right. All right. Fine. I'll be the. the I don't even remember what they called those. What Ray Mysterio? What was his weight class? Uh, featherweight, welterweight. Featherweight, I don't know. Well, Adia, ramble on. We just need to get a hold of the book that she reads in. Um... Yeah. Oh, there's a whole wiki on it. Oh, there oh, is. Yeah. Fair. Known jokes in the book. <laughs>